series this, this month is called How to Like Your Family. All right, we called it that because a lot of us, if, we, if somebody asked us, do you love your family? We'd all say yes, because that's the right answer. But if you were asked, do you like your family? Like, do you like hanging out with your family? Do you like being around them? Um, a lot of people at that point kind of hesitate. And they're like, I love my family, <laughs> you know? And uh, it's more of like a, you know, I love green beans and stuff because of what they do for my body, but I like ice cream. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I like ice cream and I like sweets. But man, I think we're really supposed to be at a place where we don't, we don't only tolerate our family, but we actually like them. All right, so we're going, to be, we're going to be talking about that all month. And just to give you a quick snapshot, today we're going to be talking about uh, kind of God's original design with the family. And, and, but next week, we're, we're going to start talking about uh, how to like to have conversations together, all right, conflict resolution, things like that. And then we're going to talk about how to have a marriage that you like, okay? So, so week three is going to be all about marriage. And then week four is going to be how to raise kids that you like, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love my kids. I try to get rid of, them, rid of them at every turn, but I like my kids. You know, sometimes, it's, sometimes raising kids is just trying to find the next babysitter. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how can I get rid of them? But anyway, how to raise kids that you like. And uh, I believe, I, I sincerely believe this, that at the end of this month, um, there's going to be a lot of things that are exposed in your family that you're, you're going to get tools to work on that in order to improve the quality of your home. Okay, I, I sincerely believe that. I, I'm not really interested on how Sunday mornings feel, all right, as far as the family. I'm, all, I'm more interested on what Tuesday night feels like. What does the Saturday morning family look like? Those are where your real family culture is at. And so we're going to learn some things, biblical principles, in order to apply to that. So y'all ready? Yeah. Ready? All right. So, so I want to start off with this. I really believe that how the family goes is how a church goes. It's how a nation goes. I believe that the family is, the, is where it all begins. I believe that whenever the family begins to break down in a nation, it's only a matter of time before the morals in that nation begin to de- be degraded, okay? And, and I believe it's because there was a, a really good design in the beginning that God had, but, but as we veer away from that plan, things begin to uh, cheapen, okay? And, and this is the thing about our culture. Our culture is more about cheap and trendy than like quality and timeless, okay? If you take like, style with clothes nowadays, people are way more interested about buying cheap clothes that when you wash them one time, the collar's like, you know what I'm saying? Or what, you all know what I'm talking about. It's like, you, I mean, I've bought clothes before that I washed it once and I never touched it again because it's cheap. But nowadays people are more about buying like a $5 shirt that looks cool for about a week because guess what? They'll go buy another one. It's this throwaway society. And we have that in a lot of different areas, but in the family... It's unfortunately pretty much the same thing. I don't like my family. Well, I'll just get divorced and I'll get another one, right? Like my marriage kind of, is, eh, well, it's just a matter of time. I'll probably, I'll, I'll make all my, my mistakes on this one. That way my next one will be good. You know what I'm talking about? If you, <laughs> I've heard that many times. It's a mentality and it's something that's obviously not godly, but it becomes part of our, our, our reputation, part of our disposition as a, as a nation. And uh, the, the thing is, is that God really created two main institutions. He created the family and the church. And it's no wonder why those two institutions are under such attack nowadays. Why do people hate the church so much? Like, what's the deal? Why are people, it seems like people are just set out to try to destroy it and undermine it. Well, it's the body of Christ. 
And, and then God, the, the Bible illustrates or, or uh, compares the church to the family so many times. So why wouldn't that be the, the same thing, right? It's under attack. We're under attack. The family is under attack. This past week, we put out a Facebook poll, and uh, we asked people, basically, what was your family life like growing up? And I don't know if any of you were able to read that and, and go and look. is very revealing. First off, I want to let you know what it does for us in this room. It causes us to know the pain that's sitting around us every single week, right? Have you ever wondered why somebody was the way they, they, they are, like, why do they react like that or what's, but then when you know their story, you have a lot more compassion for their, for their situation, right? So this past week, we put out a poll. What was it like? And, and this is some of the stats from that. Over 80% of the responses had a negative upbringing. 80%, that's the people that responded. And, and 90% of those had no religious influence. And there was a lot of abuse and neglect and abandonment. And there was divorce and rape and anxiety and hurtful language, lots of verbal abuse and cheating and lying. It sounds a lot like sin, right? There are a whole lot of fruits of sin in the families that did not have like a church background or some sort of religious uh, 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 motivation. But, but out of the 20% that said they had a positive environment, right, 95% of them said that church was a part of growing up. And there was a lot of laughter and love and peace and prayer and church and dancing, all right, teaching, kindness, values. There was morals in the family. And I'm telling you what right now, guys, look, look, you cannot separate Jesus and, 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 and church from your family and not feel it. All right? You can't. You can't. Jesus changes everything. And he changes your family as well. But culture tries to redefine what family is, all right? tries to redefine it. We're in, the, in our nation right now. We're really feeling that, uh, you know, just in, in who's who and, and, you know, what kind of parents are, are the proper parents to have. And by the way, we have our 9 through 12-year-olds in the room today. Come on, can we give it up for them? Yes. We're excited about that. And, uh, and one of the reasons that we wanted them in here is to hear what family is really supposed to be like. Uh, I had a 10-year-old person walk up to me a few weeks ago and ask me a couple of, of questions that uh, some adults have never asked me. Why? Because they're exposed to this culture that tries to redefine what the norm is. And they tries to redefine what, what God's design is. But how many of you know that the Bible is pretty clear what the design of a family is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to operate? So we don't have to redefine it. We don't have to find a new way to do it. The way that God has, has done it and created it is just fine, right? So that's what we need to establish first is that God's original design for the family is as relevant today as when he created it, all right? Look, guys, I could care less if people say something like, like well, that's just the old mindset. Like, that's, that's old school. Um, I, I want to combat that with it. It's not old school. It's biblical. Biblical, all right? It's, it's biblical, all right? And, and Bible never gets old, all right? God's design is not antiquated. So his design for the family is not old and outdated to where we need to redefine it. It's proper. It's good. It's balanced. And, and God's original design looks like a man and a woman fall in love, right? It's like a, a great romance, you know, movie. They fall in love they commit their lives to one another in a covenant marriage. And then out of that love, they, they have children. And, and as two whole people, they raise that child in the ways of the Lord 
to where that child can be raised up understanding what it's like to have a stable, uh, a, a proper home, a godly home, and then go find somebody else that they love and recreate that process over and over. That sounds like a perfect world, doesn't it? Because it is. Because that's what God wanted it to look like. A man and a woman fall in love. They have babies and they raise a family. Yeah, it's tough sometimes, but it's how God designed it. And, and I really want you to look at your family like this, as a team. A lot of people are very, very departmentalized in their marriages and in the way that they run their families. It's, it's it, well, that's your time and this is my time and that's your money, this is my money and this is your thing. And everything's always separate versus it being a team mentality. And I'm telling you, if you feel like that at your home, that is one of the first things you need to do is say, how can we operate like a team? Me and my wife, we, we operate as a family, but we operate as like a, a team. So, I mean, I'm talking like simple stuff. Like, hey, can you pick that up on the way home from work? Hey, can you run over there and do that for me? I don't have time to do it. Yeah, no problem. Hey, can't, man, it's not always perfect, all right? But overall, it is a team mentality. We got two babies now, you know, two girls, and, and we're raising them as a team. It's not her way of doing it and my way of doing it. It's our way of doing it. The Bible says two people become one flesh. There is no your time and my time, and, and well, this is my private thing, and that's your private thing. What are you talking about? Like, just a kind of quick caveat to marriage, like, you don't have passwords that she doesn't have, and vice versa. Like, what do you... What world are we living in? <laughs> are you serious? No, total transparency. You're a team. There's no secrets. There's no, there's no point to have secrets if there's complete trust and unity and openness, right? So, so here's the deal. There's some stats that we're going to really share, on, uh, share later on when it comes to, to marriage and uh, talk about divorce and things because divorce is, is, divorce is something, obviously, guys, that we all understand is not in God's plan. Okay, and, and in, the, in the age of prenumps and plan Bs, man, look, look, we don't operate like that. We got married. My name was on the mortgage because I had to co-sign with my dad. I had no credit. And, uh, and Nadine's name wasn't on the, on, the, on the house. And when her coworkers found out, they like to flipped out. They were like, girl, you better get on that. He is going to leave. He, you better, right? And she's like, they're saying I should. I said, no, that's because they're planning to get divorced. I was like, we don't plan on getting divorced. That's not happening. It's not even an option. Because if I plan for it, if I even let a caveat in there, I'm planning to fail. It's all in. There ain't nobody else. I ain't got time for that, right? And some people will say that's not wise. I think it is. I think it is. Agree to disagree, all right? But there's not a stat on this. How many families and marriages are surviving, but they're not thriving, right? My parents stayed together and never, never got divorced. They hated each other, right? Like those kind of stories, you know, like they never, I never heard them even like laugh together. They, with other people, they laughed at it, but together, no. Nah. How many families today are surviving, been married for 30 years, raised the kids, but yet there's no, there's not life, they're not thriving. The point of our families and marriages is not just to survive, like make it. It's to enjoy it, right? It's, it's like to conquer life together as a family. That's what this thing is for, not just to survive. And so, but here's the deal. Colossians 3 gives us some team instructions. Okay, this is what Colossians 3 says in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
I love how he ties it to the Lord. It's not just about an opinion. Verse 19, though, says, husbands, love your wives. And, and listen, do not be harsh with them. So as the wives are submitting and, 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 and they're, they're supporting, right, the, the man is not supposed to lord that over her. If a man wants to lord that and, and be harsh with her, well, he's really not loving well. Right? This is a mutual thing. This is a, a give and a take. This is two people, again, working as a team to have a good marriage. But then it says this. Come on, where's all my, where's all my kids at? Here we go. Children, obey your parents in everything. Eh, like, all of it, okay? Like, it doesn't matter what your friends do. It never has, and it still doesn't matter. Like, they don't care that they all have phones or they all have this or that everybody gets to go do this. It doesn't matter. Like, we don't. Like, well, if that's up to, that's up to your family, right? But like, you know, everybody's doing it. No, they're not, because you're not, all right? <laughs> like, that's what I grew up on right there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's the baby boomers. There they are. They're like, yes! Come on. Well, I just want to just help them and everything. I want their dreams to come true. Anyway, children, obey your parents and everything. And this is why. Because it pleases God. Because it pleases the Lord. All of this, whenever the wife and the husband and the kids are all operating as a team, it pleases God. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Discipline well, daddies and mamas. Discipline well. But here's the deal. If all three of these components are working together as a team, that's right, kids, you have responsibility in the mix. Can I just, for a, for a second, some of you, you young people, you're old enough to know what you're doing in the context of your home. And you're making it very difficult for your parents to work out things because you're so disobedient and you're so rebellious. Come on, obey, get in line. You're destroying your home. Daddy and mama can't fix everything. When you're a teenager, let me tell you something, you know what's up. You know what's up. And it's time for, for I don't know who I'm talking to because there's just a bunch of people in here. And look, I'm not even at Wiggins and Long Beach right now, so I can't see who's going, you know. Help, help your parents out. Help your environment and your home out. Work as a team. Here's the point. Everybody has a responsibility. Everybody in the home. Every mom, every dad, every kid. Everybody has a responsibility in the home. And look, we're not naive. Come on, look. The, the perfect God's design family might be that, but we have a lot of different families. A lot of different blended families. There's, there's grandparents raising grandkids. There's aunts and uncles. There's, uh, you know, there's adoption. There's foster care. There's Single parents, man, come on, I've got so much respect for single parents, so much respect. Uh, every day you get up and you work, you, that's right. And, and yet it might not be best case scenario, but I wanna let you all know this, no matter how dysfunctional you feel your family is, there is hope, all right, there is hope. And even though it might not be perfect, it doesn't matter. It can still be good. It can still be a godly family and you can still love your family and have a great time and actually like them. I'm telling you, it can happen. I've seen it happen, all right? All right, it can, it can work. So before we talk about uh, how to like your family, we need to establish a couple of things. And, and it's this, number one, is in order to have a family that we like, I think number one, we need to know what it's like to have a family that God likes. Here's the deal. You can have a family that you like, but God doesn't like. 
But if you have a family that God likes, you will have a family that you like. All right? Y'all believe that? Y'all believe that? You, you, may, you may look at your family right now and say, I love my family. I like my family. But the question is more, does God like my family? Is God pleased with the way that my family is operating? It's supposed to be about pleasing God before everything, right? I mean, we say that, but how does it actually play out in something that we can look at and feel like our family? What does it feel like? Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, whether it's a job or, or a vision or a goal or whatever, do it as unto the Lord. What about the environment of your family? Do, do you, when you feel animosity in your home, look at it and say, God, help me. God, help me. I, I want my, my marriage. I want the way that I'm raising my kids to please you. And I don't feel like we're doing that right now. Is there that sort of repentant mindset when it comes to your home, not just your own personal life? right? Because if we're doing this as unto the Lord, that's the motivation, is to please the Lord. That's the motivation of it. And so what's motivating your family? Is it just trying to get the kids out of the house, <laughs> right? Is that, is that the goal? Because then what? Is it just to get them in college? Is it, is it to get a certain size house? Is it a certain income level? And I think all those things are good, but if that's the core motivation, I don't think it's good enough. And I don't think it's always very godly too. Motive says a lot about where we're headed. But, but here's the thing. This is the first thing about how to have a, a family that God likes is that it takes work to have a family that God likes. It takes work. So if you think that through just uh, kind of coasting along in your family that's terrible right now that you don't like, that if you just keep operating the way that you're operating, it's gonna change and one day you're gonna wake up and love it, you're mistaken because it's not gonna change. It takes work, it takes work in everything, right? To be successful, it's no different in your family. Look, uh, me and my wife, we love watching Shark Tank. Like, I love Shark Tank. And uh, right now it's like two per week, which is awesome. And so, you know, DVR comes up and I'm like, yes, it's there. You know, we watch it and, and it's all about entrepreneurs coming in and these super rich people basically deciding whether they're gonna invest in it or not. And uh, it's always entrepreneurs, all right? And, and we're in the age of the entrepreneur. Everybody's an entrepreneur. Even if you haven't done anything in life at all, like you're still an entrepreneur, right? And, and so they come in and it, it, you, I mean, come on, look, the money, how much they've sold matters a lot and whether they're gonna get investment. But the bigger thing is the work ethic. And when it, they start hearing the, the, the work ethic and the story from these people, they begin to delineate between a real entrepreneur and a fake one. And they're real entrepreneurs, so they can, they can feel the fake pretty quickly. You, you got to watch it. It's awesome. But, but here's some, some things that they said or some things that I looked at about entrepreneurs. Uh, this is kind of what a fake entrepreneur might look like or sound like. You had the idea for your business a year ago, and it's just still an idea, right? I had this idea. I think it'd be awesome, and nothing ever happens. I have ideas every day, like all the time. I'm like, ooh but I never do anything about it, right? That's because it doesn't really matter. So like, does it, even, does it even matter to say it, honestly? A fake entrepreneur, you want to get your business up and running, but you don't have time. Just never have time. You ain't ever gonna have time. That's terrible English, but I don't care, all right? You're never gonna have time, but then, but then the other thing, you don't wanna invest in training and coaching for your business. 
some of the, some of the key things about a, a fake entrepreneur. And so I was thinking about that, and I was like, man, we got a lot of, a lot of people that, that say they're a true familypreneur, okay? Like, like, they're all about their family, but I, I think sometimes there's a fake, fake one as well. And so I just wrote down a couple of thoughts about what that might look like or sound like. And, and a fake a family you know, entrepreneur might, might say, uh, they might talk a lot with no change. Talk a lot with no change. Been talking about, about, about you know, things improving for five years. There's no change. There's no, there's no work, effort going into it. No time to really work on it. This weekend would be a perfect example. Marriage is really not doing too well. It's kind of stale. It's kind of stagnant. But we got that thing. There's never, there's never time to work on it, right? And then this is something, this is chronic right here. Is either number one, never getting any counsel. Just ne- like, like max pride. Can't lay down your pride in order to get counsel and get some help. But the next thing is this, get counsel, but never apply any of it. Any of it. Like, I think that if, if somebody just puts one step forward, things will probably improve. Just one, like, read a book. Like, anything, like, show effort, show a work ethic in your family. But I think sometimes we have this fake, this fake approach to it, and it might be influenced by the cheap and trendy cult culture that we're in. We don't like to work for things. A couple of thoughts is, number one, you must take the responsibility to do the work. You must take responsibility for your family. Must. It must be our family, all right? Our family. There's ownership in it. Number two is that you must be willing to do the work. I think some, some people take responsibility for the situation that they're in, but there's still not a willingness to press in and actually do the work. And the last thing is this, is that you must be consistent in the work. Sometimes things are really rough, and sometimes it will take three to five years for it to get out of that place, not three to five days. Went to counseling or went to, went to the marriage conference, and we left, and we got in a bigger argument than we've been in in years. It don't work. No, you actually just started kind of digging your way out of the pit that you're in and you felt some resistance. And so then, like the children of Israel, you're kind of like, I think Egypt wasn't that bad, actually. <laughs> you know what? This is hard. At least we had a meal every day. And they said, I'd rather be in bondage with some food than have my freedom and have to work. I'll let that resonate for just a second. Some of you are actually okay with a terrible marriage because at least you don't have to work to get out of it. You're okay with your kids running wild because it takes too much work to try to discipline them. It takes work, y'all, for a long time. The other thing about how to have a family that God likes is, is that we must follow godly principles because following godly principles creates a family that God likes. Following godly principles. And this is where it starts getting super churchy, all right? This is where it starts getting super biblical and this is where a lot of people start checking out. Come on. I want this self-help sounding stuff. I don't want the biblical stuff. I want the, like, the, the, the ingredients just to kind of inject somehow miraculously into the work. But, but I, I think that a family that, that pleases God looks very similar to a person that follows God. I think a family should look like a follower of Jesus. That's what I think. So what does a follower of Jesus look like? Well, I believe that a follower of Jesus operates in the fruit of the Spirit. 
And I believe that a family can operate in the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that a family that God likes must operate in the fruits of the Spirit. Now, today, I'm not talking about perfection, all right? I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, your family is going to be perfect all the time. What do we say about people that follow Jesus? Come on, we got issues, right? But there still is this forward motion. There's this progression, and there's this seeking about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what the fruit of the Spirit kind of looks like. Number one, it looks like love. Love's the first one. And this is what love looks like. And as I read these things, I want you to say, is this what my home looks like? This is what my marriage looks like. It says, love is patient and love is kind. It's not jealous or prideful. It's not arrogant or rude. Hang out there for a second. A lot of you have very rude environments at your home. Rude. It doesn't have to have its own way. A family that doesn't have to have its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. This is love. It doesn't keep a score of being wronged. It's destroying families. Well, two years ago, you said this. Well, I wouldn't have said that if you wouldn't have. Doesn't keep a score of being wrong. Doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices in truth. In your home, do, re, do you rejoice whenever another family member does something well? Does everybody rally around them and encourage them? Is there, is there a rejoicing of truth and, 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 uh, and justice? It never gives up or loses faith. Come on, where your family is at right now, if it's negative, don't lose faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through everything. This is love. That's just the first fruit of the spirit, by the way. All right? A family that has love in it. A family that has the other fruits of the spirit in Ephesians, joy. Not happy, clappy, yee, yee. I'm talking about joy. Like through the thick and the thin, there still is like a heartbeat of joy. There still is, there still is hope, right? Peace. Come on, y'all. Peace in your home. It's a fruit of the spirit of God operating in your home. Is there peace in your home? How many of you, 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 when you walk into somebody's house, you can feel whether it's a calm and a peace about their home or whether it's chaos, right? Is there peace in your home? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, being gentle with one another, and self-control. Are these things that you could say, you know what, that's, that's how it feels in my house. Yeah, I would say that all of those things are, are pretty, pretty operational. Or is it not? Is there not peace? Is there not joy? Because this, all of these things create an environment to which the people in that family can grow from. The kids can grow up in a stable environment. I was lucky enough to, to, you know, to, to be blessed by being born into the Dakota household, honestly. Two great parents who loved us well. Uh, we didn't have animosity. If we did have some drama, it got fixed quick, all right? <laughs> Family meeting, dining room table, we got to talk, all right? And it was usually about like picking up a room or something like that, all right? But it was a good, stable environment. And it doesn't really matter what environment you have come from. You can create a really good, stable environment in your home, whether it's just you and a spouse, whether it's you and, and, and a couple of kids, whether it's you and a spouse and, and kids, you can create 
a good home. My dad was not raised in an environment like I was raised in. It was 180. It wasn't like, well, he was lucky he had a good home and now, you know, Jordan, and well, that's your story, but my story's not like that. No. Jesus changes everything, y'all. He does. And the fruit of the Spirit are these things right here. A good family is made up of godly family members. I believe that if each individual person in a family is seeking God, and they're where they need to be in their relationship with God, a natural outflow of that, it's gonna seep into the family environment. Come on, because why? It's made up of people. Just like this church is made up of people, right? We're a collection of people. Our family is made up of a collection of people. And so sometimes we're fighting and arguing and we're, we're, we're trying to win arguments over the other person whenever we really, we should stop and pray. Like we should stop and say, man, this is, a, this is an attack right now. Why? Because we're followers of Christ and we're under attack. But many times we try to fix things with self-help books and, and good sounding articles and, and all those things are helpful. Although those things are helpful. I think sometimes we need to say, man, what's the root of our lives look like? Because if there's a good, good root, I believe there's gonna be good fruit. Come on. I believe that if, there's, if, the, if the, the tree is healthy, everything that comes out of the tree is gonna be healthy. It's the same thing with our family. So if there's dysfunction, disunity, sometimes you need to stop asking, what can we do? What can we do? Maybe we, we need to go on a vacation. Like, that's going to fix it. Yes, we're going to go to Disney World. And it's going to fix how much I can't stand being in closed spaces with my family. And then you go to this little expensive hotel room where all they did was slap like Ariel up on the wall and charge you double the price. And you're like, this is not what the pictures looked like. But you've already paid. <laughs> we went to Disney World last year. <laughs> yeah. It was a magical place full of hopes and dreams. <laughs> it's already been a year. It's been a year. Is it good that it feels like it was just yesterday <laughs> or is that like, <laughs> no, it was fun. We really had a good time. Actually, it was one of the first vacations I came back from and my brain was relaxed because I didn't have time to think about anything else, <laughs> you know? But look, a vacation is supposed to be like a celebration, right? Like, like it's not going to fix things, y'all. Your Tuesday nights, your Saturday mornings, that's where stuff gets fixed. And you launch from that and you have fun doing life together. We're a bunch of people who need Jesus. And whenever we have Jesus and we're operating properly in that, the fruit of the spirit is operating in us. And therefore that is displayed and projected through our family. If two people that are married are both valuing what the, what the Bible says and what the Holy Spirit produces in them. And they are protecting that and maintaining their heart, right? Whenever they get in an argument, it's not about cutting the other person. Right? It's not about winning that argument. What is that about? Right? It's improper. It's coming from a place of pain. And it's not a family that God likes, y'all. So today, 
how to have a family that you like, first of all, is how to have a family that God likes. And I believe some of you right now, you're, you're saying, I can honestly say that I, right now our family, if, if God was sitting in the room, which he always is, but if he was sitting there, we could see him, he would probably be shaking his head the whole time. Just like that comment was just a soft answer, you know, it turns away wrath. And that was not a soft answer, right? That little white lie right there that you said to your spouse, you thought that it was gonna kind of just cover up the moment. All you did was just create another one. Right, and God's just sitting there and there's disappointment. There's, there's, guys, look, I have this plan, I have this design, but you gotta co-labor with it. And today, before we move forward with the rest of this month, I wanted to, to make sure that every single person, all three locations, every single person, that you are looking at your family from this perspective, first of all, because if you start trying to fix everything else without having this core uh, conversation you're lacking the power. You're lacking the purpose, the why, which is do everything as unto the Lord. Argue as unto the Lord, okay? Which is not gonna look like an argument that you're having right now. Serve your family as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as unto the Lord. Wives, respect your husbands as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. It's a completely different motivation. And today, some of you, you need to know God to begin with. Some of you in this place are far from him. You wanna operate in the fruits of the spirit? He's like, those things sound great, but it is an impossibility without knowing Jesus. So if you're in this place today and, and you don't know God, you don't know him, I wanna give you an opportunity to do, to do that because I believe that a family, the condition of your family is more of a reflection of the family's relationship with God than your ability to be a good family. Well, I just want to be a good family. How about let's be a godly family, right? So, so the condition of your home is it's a telltale sign of the condition of your heart. That's why I want to give every single person in this room, all three locations, an opportunity to respond to the voice of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we want to have a family, all of us in this place, every, every, every single person under the sound of my voice, God, we all desire to have a family that pleases you. We all desire to be able to sit in our homes on those random nights where we don't have anything going on, but we're just hanging out and to feel peace, God, to feel joy. But God, we know that your presence is what produces that. We know it, we believe it, God. We know that we can do a lot of things very well for a short amount of time. But God, we know that you change our hearts and in that, Everything else has changed. And so God, right now we submit ourselves to you. God, we are asking for your revelation in every area of our lives. God, we know that the family is something that you created. God, we wanna operate in the way that you designed it. If you're in this place right now, if you're in Long Beach or Wiggins as well, and, and you're far from God, you don't know him. At one point you might've been close to him it might've been an active relationship with him, but you just feel that over time, you've really become separate from him. And all of this sounds kind of like a fairy tale right now. The, love, the, the thing I love about God is he's always just there. His, his hand of grace is always outstretched. And it doesn't matter what family background you have. It doesn't even matter what happened in your home this morning. None of that matters. 
God is always about now and the future. He's like, don't look at the past. It's not gonna help anything. Come to me as as you are. So if if you're feeling this, God, and you're like, God, I, I wanna know you. I wanna be saved. I'm not gonna ask you to to come up to the front of any of the rooms or or raise your hand or do anything because God is doing something inside of your heart right now and you know it. And this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray and you're gonna have an opportunity right now to submit your heart to God. A fresh and a new, come on, like the first time you've ever done it. Give them your life today. Say, God, would you save me? Would you change me? Right here in this moment. Come on, let's let's just pray. Father, I give you my life. I give you my heart. God, would you remove the stony heart that I have inside of me? That God, I just doesn't hear you, doesn't feel you, doesn't operate the way that I know that you want it to operate. But God, would you change it out? The heart of flesh that hears and knows and responds to you. I give you my life today. I accept what Jesus did on the cross for me. He died, he was raised again so that I might have life. And God, I thank you for sending him for me. So right now I clothe myself in, God, in your righteousness, not my own efforts. And I thank you for salvation. I receive you into my life right now. In Jesus' name. Come on right now, we're all here. I just wanna pray over all of our families. Pray over where we're at. And at the end of this prayer, uh, come on Long Beach and, and Wiggins, the campus pastor is gonna come up and take over. But I believe right, right now, we need to have faith to see our families move forward. The family is under attack all over our nation. In this church, the family unit is under attack. And I believe that it's time for us to to come together and to believe in faith for God to restore the broken places in our homes. So God, we come to you right now. We cry out to you, Father, God, that through this series and through the next few weeks as we seek you about our marriages and our homes, God, that you would restore every marriage. God, that you would restore every relationship between parents and children. God, that in this church, we would see a revival of people's environments at their homes. God, that it would not be based upon our own goals and aspirations, but God, it would be based upon the motivation to please you. God, it would be based upon the motivation that you would receive glory and honor and praise. Lord, that we could say, yeah, we were at that point at one time, but now look what God has done. God, we pray for you to renovate our homes this month. Help us, Jesus, as a church to move forward and to be an example and to be lights in dark places, God. We thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen. Amen, come on, can we give it up for that right now? Yes. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church want to help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. 
By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.